Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan Loverich, a legal assistant with SATC and one of the hosts of the podcast, and I'm here today with Kathy Kwok, the Director of Title Operations and Counsel at Proper Title. Kathy, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to chat with you about your work at Proper Title and how you can help out our listeners, but I kind of want to go back a little bit and talk about your background, if that's okay. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit about your education and, and what brought you here to Chicago. So I was born and raised um, in, in the area, so I grew up in Schaumburg, and then I decided for undergrad, I wanted to leave my house, like normal college, high school <laughs> graduates, and headed off to Indiana, and I got my degree in actually education, secondary ed, teaching English uh, at IU, Bloomington. And unfortunately, you don't student teach until your last year of school, so your senior year. And I ended up student teaching, and I did not connect with the profession at all. Um, I had a really good mentor. Uh, she was wonderful, but she had the passion to teach and to be there for the kids. And me, I just took it as a, a, a thing I needed to do in order to graduate and get my degree. Yeah. And so then I also didn't help because one of the classes that I had were 29 boys and one girl. <laughs> and they were freshmen. And so imagine that I'm 20 a uh, 20-year-old girl, it doesn't matter what I look like, really. I'm still 20 years old in front of, what, 14-year-olds? So yeah. it, I mean, it, it did not go well. Um, so in any event, I, when I graduated, I had to tell my parents, and they're your typical Asian parents, and I broke their hearts and told them, I don't want to teach. <laughs> so I said, You know that school I just did? <laughs> yes, so that you paid for too. Yeah. <laughs> and you're telling all your friends and, you know, that you're so proud of your daughter, your firstborn. And I just say, I don't want to teach anymore. So what happened was I told them I needed to find my my, my new path. So they said, you're working. We, we You have to figure it out. You're going to get a job and you have to start you know, you have to at least do that. So, and then they said the deal is post-grad, uh, you'll be getting loans and you'll be paying it for yourself if you want to get another degree. And I was like, I'm not going back to school, so I'm going to figure something out. So I actually went to a temp agency and they placed me at a law firm. So that's how I ended up in law. And I was uh, answering phones and really be turned into a legal assistant for the solo practitioner. He had another partner, but uh, solo practitioner that out in the suburbs that practiced in real estate. So that's when I learned, I started kind of learning about uh, real estate and it interested me, but I was more about having fun and yeah. finally getting a paycheck that was more than what I made at my first job. I worked at uh, Old Navy used to be called Gap Warehouse. And so I worked at Gap Warehouse. Yeah, I'm really aging myself right now, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Besides that. No, I knew that. Yeah, I, knew that. <laughs> I remember that. Okay, that's good. The, whew. No, I um, don't. <laughs> you did it. Stop lying. So uh, Gap Warehouse, and then, so it was great to get the paycheck. And so then I ended up moving to the city. So I moved to the city probably when I was around 23 and or 22, maybe 22 years old. And I lived in Old Irving. 
uh, with a girlfriend of mine, and my gosh, I had so much fun. So she ended up going, applying to law school. And so law was kind of entered in my life around that time and okay. did not even think I was going to do it. So because I worked in the city, the commute got pretty bad out in the suburbs. So I started looking around uh, the city and the maybe Rosemont area. So I ended up at a job uh, at a firm, a quite large firm. They represented the village of Rosemont. And so I worked there as a paralegal, but I didn't have my paralegal certificate, yeah. so they called me legal secretary for about five attorneys. And one of them did real estate, but all of them basically did litigation and municipal law. So that was an experience, too, because I had to... That was back in the days when there was dictaphones. I don't know if anyone out there knows what that is, but basically you record the correspondence <laughs> when you're in the car... On this recorder, so you basically say, dear counsel, whatever, colon, space, and then you start your letter. That was before, I mean, really, I'm aging myself, but that's fine. I'm okay with it because I look good. <laughs> I look young. Um, so in any event, uh, I did all that. And then uh, one of the attorneys that I worked for, he mentioned, he said, you know what? You should think about maybe taking the LSATs. And I said, no, I don't do well with standardized testing. I don't want to do that. And he said, you know, you should really think about it because I feel like you'd be a really good lawyer. And I said, I don't know. I sweat when there's like two, more than two people in a room that I don't know. And I get very uncomfortable. So I, I just kind of thought about it. And then when I proposed it, when I mentioned it to my parents, I mean, of course, yeah, they got super excited. I yeah. mean, you're either a doctor, lawyer, or maybe business, but you know, uh, so, yeah, so I took the LSATs. I took it twice, actually. And then I ended up uh, applying to different schools, and I decided on Valparaiso in Indiana. I think that I just liked the idea of being away from the city because mm -hmm. at that time all my friends were in the city and there were a lot of distractions. And I mm -hmm. knew that if I was going to take this, like go to law school, that I had to be present. I had yeah. to study. I couldn't blow it off like I did in college. You know, not, I mean, really. So I went away and then I visited Valpro and I'm like, this is perfect. It's small town. There's not much going on. There were maybe two bars at the time. So I'm like, okay, not a lot of distractions. I won't know anybody. I think that this is going to work. So I ended up at Valpo. Yeah. Uh, went there, ended up meeting like truly a group of the bestest friends, and I still keep in touch with them. We're kind of all over. Some of them are here, still here in Chicago, practicing attorneys. Um, and so, yeah, after law school, it was a time, too, where the market was still kind of how it is now, where it's oversaturated with attorneys in the city. And so I just, back then, there was really no LinkedIn. It was sending out resumes or hiring resume companies that will help you kind of get a resume together and cover letters. And you would do mailings. You would mail out resumes and cover letters and hope that you would hear back. So sometimes you would get rejection letters. I got, not sometimes, I got a lot of rejection <laughs> letters. And there was a handful that I got. And so I ended up my first job in Glen Ellen. Uh, and it was a small firm. Well, it was a, kind of a larger firm. But they worked mostly with relocation companies. So that was really interesting. Um, so a lot of my customers that I would talk to or clients that I would talk to, they'd be all from out of state that were, their company was moving them to Chicago. So we're only one of, Illinois is only one of, I think, five states uh, that are attorney favored 
where you have to have repre legal representation when you sell or purchase a home. Okay. In other states, you don't need that. So it was just, that's how I really learned real estate, to be honest, is to explain the procedures and how things, um, how things uh, transact here um, yeah. for a closing. So then I stayed there for about uh, a year and a half. I think I lasted about a year, year and a half. And then the market crashed, started crashing, the bubble burst. It was a terrible time. And luckily, I found a job in the city mm -hmm. at a firm that mostly did um, guardianships, which um, or special needs trusts, sorry, special okay. needs trusts and guardianships. They were known to do that, and they had a small real estate department. And I joined that firm and stayed there for over four years. But it got to a point where I was negotiating more with short sale lenders than actually doing real estate. And so it was a really interesting time. And it was, uh, it was really sad, to be honest, to be talking to these people who are losing their homes. Yeah. They didn't understand why. Um, they didn't know why they were getting these notices. So it was a trying time. But I survived in the sense that I didn't get let go. And I was still there at that firm. But it was a time it was time for a change for sure. So I made the change. And again, I think LinkedIn was around, but no one was really using LinkedIn the way that they are now. And so because of that, it was still uh, resumes and sending them out or applying through, I think, what are some of the... Like monster. Yeah, com. monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where your resume just, just floats. Yeah. <laughs> it's just out Reaching there. back into the vault there on that <laughs> yeah, yeah. one. But. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So then um, I that's when I ended up at CPS. I okay. worked for the Chicago Board of Education, uh, was in their legal department, and then was also worked in their operations. And that's why I got a little taste of uh, commercial real estate and yeah. like leasing and licensing and you know, it was really great to work for the government and for a public entity. I mean, truly, it was, it's um, it's when you get the good feelings inside, you know, yeah. because you see the kids and you know you're doing it for the kids. And right. most of the people that worked at the board, they truly are great people. And I still keep in touch with a handful of them, too. Hmm. But that was also a trying time. I don't know why I keep ending up at places <laughs> where it's trying times. <laughs> So I was there when, I mean, I mean, national news, when uh, we had to close 50 schools, when right, CPS yes. had to close 50 schools. So I was still there. Um, that was also quite an interesting time. And then the first teacher strike, I was there too uh, during that time. So that was kind of the period I was at CPS. So yeah. it's interesting because you yeah. studied education in your undergrad and in a different way, you still ended up in the, the school system. So was there anything that you remember from undergrad or any experiences that you had that you were kind of like, oh, okay, this is helpful in this time for me as I'm now in school, in the school system, but in a different way than I expected to be originally? Yes. And I think it was when I, so when the teacher strike happened, I think it lasted the longest ever, which was, I believe, like seven days, I want to say, maybe five. Could be wrong. So please don't, y'all <laughs> that are listening, don't think that I know what I'm talking about. But it was an extensive period of time. It was like the longest ever. So the staff at the board, we got 
they called it a deployment. We got deployed to oh. different schools. And so I would have to say there was a moment when I was in August, I was at a school, no air conditioning, and I'm putting up bulletin boards, like decorating them. And I remember I had to do that for when I was student taught um, to make, because it was English. And so yeah. you had to put like words and books and things like that and decorate your classroom. So that was one thing. It kind of brought me back. I'm like, well, maybe my life is coming full circle where I'll end up here at the board forever. You know, that's what I thought. Yeah. As I was sweating and stapling <laughs> <laughs> borders around bulletin boards. Um, so yeah, that's probably one thing. And also I, I had a... I had an empathy for the teachers and the principals and just um, so what I did when I was when I worked for the operations side is that I worked with the schools and if they say let's say they had a gymnasium auditorium Mm -hmm. spaces that they they can license out for Mm -hmm. temporary use to like organizations like Chicago Sports Social um, other intramural uh, organize, sports organizations, they want to use, or even churches, they want to use auditoriums. So when you're starting out, you look for low, um, like rental, rent fees. Yeah. And so the best ways to look is at CPS schools. And so then auditoriums and gymnasium, gymnasiums, I would help um, facilitate that to get licenses. And one was actually a church that ended up using parking um, parking lots for um, at various schools, and so that that income that came in or the rental fees that went straight to the school. So the board didn't get a cut of it. So these schools were they were just they just wanted to be on the list. They said, can, right. "We have a great gymnasium. Can you come and check it out? Can you come?" And so then I when I made that connection, I realized I said, "I am going to work my butt off to make sure that." I get any organization to come in, and even if it's, let's say, the gym isn't as clean, we can clean it up. You know, I can get someone to get from facilities to go and clean it up. And so that was something that I I did, and I think it was because I I student taught and I experienced that. And I know the struggles of, you know, teachers aren't paid as much as they should. I mean, that could be another topic in itself. And so because of that, I mean, but then – they truly are teachers for the kids. So they will use their own money, yeah. money that they don't have, to make sure that the kids get, you know, what they need right. so that they can learn and grow and, you know, build a life of, you know, build, a, build like, have a career, you know, yeah. and have a future. And so you're essentially bringing in revenue. So the school yes. that rented the gym would end up getting the revenue from that. And yes. so really bringing in that extra revenue so that the teachers and the kids can both have an, a better experience with education and sort of continuing that on. That's exactly right. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, and so as you're doing this, kind of, what brings you to the point to where you say, okay, this is, because you, you mentioned that you might be there for a long time, mm-hmm. you might be there potentially the rest of your career, and then at some point you kind of come to a point where it's like, okay, this chapter is starting to close. I can yeah. see the writing on the wall. Kind of what what was your mentality coming into this period of your life where you're kind of getting ready to close this chapter? So uh, things were happening at the board. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's public news, so it's not like I'm saying anything that the public doesn't know. But, you know, we were in the negative. We're in the red. And mm-hmm. uh, there were just some leadership 
issues, I think. And, you know, there are various CEOs that came in and out. We had interim CEOs. And I just... I just saw a little bit of the dysfunction and not sure if I would be able to continue making an impact because there are so many different rules that were coming and politics and the city and then depending on the mayor. And so it was a bigger beast that I didn't even think about, you know, because I was just in my little office. I ended up being in my my office when I moved to operations was like a storage room and they turned into an office. There was no windows. Um, I was in there, but it was just one of those, I said, I think I need to move on. I need to do something or else I'm going to be stuck here doing the same thing and feeling as if I'm not making an impact. So again, I was at a point where I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to go back to the firm life. I didn't want to practice, but I said, I have two degrees and I'm not using Great. And I have law school loans. Awesome. Um, people doing always say, well. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm doing awesome in life right now. <laughs> so living at home, awesome. And so uh, it was just one of those moments. I'm like, man, when am I going to get a break? And, you know, I see like my other friends who got the big law firm jobs and they were succeeding. But you know, success is defined in so many different ways yeah. and interpreted. And so now I know that by by my experiences. And so, again, I did the whole resume thing. And that was not – I didn't mail any. <laughs> so finally I started catching up to modern times. <laughs> um, and then applied to a job, and I ended up at a, a national title company. And it – I, as a commercial, national commercial underwriter, to this day, I don't know how I got hired. I think it was luck, maybe. I ended up asking my boss one day. We were out <laughs> at a happy hour. And he's just like, ah, I mean, if you can survive the board, then, yeah, you know, all I wanted, I wanted someone that's teachable. So I said, I am definitely teachable. Yeah. So that's how I ended up in title. Never even thought that I would end up in title. It wasn't even something that was in my radar. I didn't even know there was a possibility that you can use your law degree to be an underwriter. I didn't even know what underwriter was, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I only heard the word, the terminology or the, uh, for underwriter when for loans, loan processing, they're like, oh, it's in with underwriting. I'm like, okay. So so that means that someone's looking at, you know, documents. So. Yeah. And so your transactional work earlier, this is sort of the other end of this. This is more the, the inside of that work that you were doing when you came on as an associate earlier. Is that is that sort of? Um, oh, so at the law firm? I yeah. know. This is so long. I'm like looking back in my history. I'm like, wow, I've done, I've been a lot of different places. So I did like the transactional, yes. So it was the other side. So yeah. um, when you're an attorney and you're in real estate, you can be an attorney agent for a title company. And okay. this is something that I've learned, and um, I'm I'm continuing to educate myself, and not only myself, but customers and anyone that I talk to, is that there's direct operations, meaning all the big title companies: First American, Chicago Title, Fidelity, Old Republic, things like that. Stewart. Well, Stewart now, um, Fidelity took over. But with that being said, and then there's agencies like title agencies, and so. Um, to know that dynamic. And so as an attorney, when I was practicing, I was an agent for a title company, for various title companies, depending on the partner. He would tell me which title companies that we can use to order title from. 
I never understood what I was doing. All I knew, I didn't know the reasons why, I guess. I never asked. All I knew is that it was part of my job. So I got a search package in. I would identify what the liens were, and then I would submit it, and then that was it. And so I got a little taste of title. And so then to be on the other side, which is now I was looking at liens and talking with the attorneys and putting together a commitment or performa. It was just really, uh, I finally understood kind of how title insurance and attorney relationships, how that all worked. But because I was at a direct operation, we didn't really have like an agent relationship with anyone. It's just you order title and we had a department that, that generated the commitment. Yeah. And then... I would work ma- mostly with attorneys from all over the U.S. Um, on title survey review letters um, and then working on clearing title, basically, for all the parties, buyers and lenders. So as you're learning more about mm-hmm. title companies and about what all that means and how they serve their customers and just people, the public in general, what is it that you're learning that title companies can do for the average person who may be purchasing or selling real estate, what is it that our listeners can maybe say, oh, yeah, that's a service that I can identify with or or would need? Right. So we all um, have car insurance. This is how Mm -hmm. I usually explain title insurance. We all have home home insurance or renter's insurance. And what does that insurance provide? It provides that if you get in an accident or if anything happens to your car, then your car insurance would cover, will provide certain coverages. Um, and you would pay a premium. And the same thing with homeowner's insurance. Um, anything that happens to your home or if you rent, it's, to ha- it's good, where you have coverages if you pay a premium. So the same thing would apply to title insurance, where this, but this is title to your home. So let's say you're a buyer and you're out there and you're buying your first home. It's really exciting. And because of that, it's probably one of the largest purchases an individual will make in his or her lifetime. And so with that, you need title insurance because it will ensure that you won't have, so let's say you, Nathan, you buy property, you bought a property recently, and um, you're getting ready for your housewarming party, and there's a knock on your door, and it's this random person and says, hey, actually, I own your condo. And so... That's just an example. I'm just simplifying things. And if you have title insurance, then the insurance will cover whatever to make sure we um, confirm that you still do own the home. And that will be covered by your insurance policy, your title insurance policy. So in in a transaction, in general, the seller will provide for the payment of the insurance. And what's different from car and home is that you pay every year. But title insurance, you pay once. And that's at the time of the closing. The seller will p- provide the payment. Um, it, sometimes it's the buyer, but it depends on the contract between the parties. And then uh, usually if you if a buyer gets a loan, the buyer is now the borrower. The borrower will have to pay for a loan policy for the lender, for your lender that you have. And, so, and then the lender... That loan policy, the lender will want it because everything with uh, lending or loans and banks, they just care about first priority, Um, Mm -hmm. making sure that they have first lien position in the event that, let's say, you fall behind on your mortgage payments and you default. So 
She's but them in now this is going to turn into a seminar, so I don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> yeah, good. You're going to glaze you're... over. Um, so as you're learning about all this and as you're kind of experiencing this firsthand now, what is it about it that really makes you start to enjoy it or say like, oh, okay, I want to do this sort of as a career maybe now or right. going forward? So I was really happy when I was working for uh, the direct operations. Um, and I learned so much and I was touching on every different type of law. Um, you don't realize, and I wish I would have known this as a law student, to be honest, is that there was this title insurance niche yeah. that you, where you can use your law degree. Um, because every, all the different types of law that I learned in law school, I was applying somewhat to underwriting. Mm -hmm. And so what I found interesting was that I wasn't working on any properties in Illinois. So we had a separate Illinois department. And so because I was a national, I was working with other national offices throughout the United States. So that's what found it interesting for me was that I was learning about different property laws and mechanics and priority laws and out in, um, different states. And I was I got to work with uh, different um, underwriters. Um, and just to help, I guess what I liked about it is that first it wasn't billable hours. I wasn't billing <laughs> hours. So that was awesome. And so I can go to the bathroom, I can eat lunch and not worry about, you know, billing time. But it was the idea that there's so much that goes into purchasing and selling property. And just like I got really interested. So there was one, it was golf courses. That was so interesting. And just piecing together the survey for the golf course yeah. was really interesting too because my family are avid golfers. I am not. I'm working on it. <laughs> I can mini golf. But so just like seeing the survey and we're ta I'm taping together a golf course and then you see hole 18 you see hole one and you see the easements it was just really interesting to learn that oh there has to be an easement because the golf cart needs to drive yeah. along there and so then I now look at property very differently and so that's what I really liked about it and I said I'm learning a ton everything's so different um, I started getting my personal life back Meaning like I can actually enjoy, you know, my life instead of just working towards paying off my loans. And that's all I was focusing right. on. So that was really, it was a really good period. And I was like, I'm so glad that I'm so grateful that I found, you know, title insurance. Yeah. And of course, there's, there's always something that comes up. And then what came up was um, I got contacted by uh, another underwriter that I used to work with. He went to a different, he went to an agency title company. And he called me and uh, he asked if I wanted to come over and be a transaction manager. They were looking for one for a national, their national commercial division. And I really like him. And so um, respected him. And so because of that, I said, yeah, I don't think I would. So then I kind of looked and I said, do I want this change? Everything is going so well right now. And so uh, why do I want to? disrupt this and then go somewhere else. But it was an opportunity to kind of get into management. Even if I wasn't managing people, mm -hmm. just managing multiple things, it was just a skill set that I haven't, I hadn't developed, you know, up until this point. So it was kind of intriguing and I thought about it and I, I thought, okay, this is the question I need to ask myself. Would I ever get this opportunity here at this direct operations? And the answer was no. I mean, it okay. would have taken years just yeah. because 
were national, huge company. Um, there, I, I just don't think that I would have been able to kind of climb that corporate ladder, I guess, if, if you want to say. So I made the jump, went to agency, uh, ended up not being a good, great fit. Uh, I, I only, I didn't last there even a year. Um, and then, you know, social media, I kept in touch with a lot of people when I was practicing residential real estate before the Chicago board stint. And I, there was this, uh, a guy that I knew from a different title company at the time he worked and he reached out cause he was at proper where mm-hmm. I am now. And he said, Hey, you want to grab lunch? And uh, I said, yeah, because I wanted to catch up with him. I haven't talked to him in forever. So I ended up just having a lunch with him. And then, I mean, everything just happened so quickly. And this was a true operational management position I've never had. And so I really wanted to get this experience because I feel like it would have, it rounds out my career and kind of the journey. And now I have so many options. I feel like I have many options as to how I want to retire. (laughs) I am thinking of retirement. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah. Never too early. I know, right? (sighs) Yeah. And so the management bug must have caught and really caught fire, it seems like. Yes. Moving into there now with with your current company, uh, Proper Title. Mm -hmm. Still in that same sort of role, right? But even more so, it seems like now, with managing, are you managing people? I assume and yes. sort of the operations of the whole thing, right? And so it's been quite an experience. I've learned so much. I just surpa- I've been there for two years now, a little over two years, and I have to say that, I mean, from the first month, I look back to the first month I started, and I really I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of absorbing. I was reading so many articles on management and how to lead a team. Um, I started, I joined, a, what is it, a Harvard Business Review. Never in my wildest dreams would I even <laughs> think that I would pick up that magazine or be a subscriber and read those articles. But man, they're really good. And LinkedIn has great articles. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I really I started listening to podcasts. And look at me, I'm here recording one crazy. Never know. Just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes when you think about things like title companies and what, what mm-hmm. you the service that you provide, maybe you don't get the most excited. You know, working at a law firm, everyone's like, oh, you work at a law firm. Is it like what's uh, what it's like on TV? And I'm like, well, we don't really do that kind of <laughs> law. <laughs> but... You learn that if it's something that you're made to do, something that's like in your DNA, mm-hmm. it just becomes fun and it just becomes challenging. And it seems like for you, that's been something where you know you find challenge, you find the fun in challenge, and in providing more care for your customers and better service for your customers. And I know that as we've started to use use you on some projects mm-hmm. and use proper title on some projects, it's been a great relationship. But what do you think makes that relationship so important? What's is there something that you can identify that just really makes that work really well or makes that better? So I do have to say that I'm fortunate that when I started off in residential real estate, because I was out doing closings, and back then closings were like five hours long, maybe even 
overnight mm-hmm. <laughs> where there wouldn't be funding until the next day. And so for a residential deal, for commercial, it can take a couple days. And I, I know that. But I got to know a lot of other residential real estate attorneys. And they, when I came to proper, I found out that they were a lot of our top customers. So I started reconnecting with these attorneys and then said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. Remember the first month I would send so many emails of just asking, just connecting and saying, hey, I'm here. If you need anything, let me know. Um, And so because I brought that over to proper title, I have to say that it's helped because it takes time to build a trusting relationship between a title company and an attorney and it, and really a law firm. It will take um, it'll take time for, tr- yeah. for trust because you have to learn how that other person works. Yeah. And for me, I feel that I've learned uh, how to. Uh, multitask and also identify how a certain attorney or how a certain law firm works. Um, are they more, they're all email based. You know, let's say a law firm only wants to be contacted through email and they need an immediate response, meaning it's not 24 hours. Like if you're there and you're available, you need to respond to them, you know, versus some attorneys, I know that they're maybe on their own, him or he or she are on their own. And so because they're on their own, I know I have some time to respond because they may be at a closing, you know? And so it's just kind of navigating through that. And so I was very fortunate enough where I knew our customers, but maybe not internally. I had to uh, build a trust there, but then the trust was already almost there with the customers. And so that made it easy for me to provide the customer service that I think proper has, um, really provides. I mean, closings are less than an hour. Some of them were, were known to close less than an hour. And this really is a title company that is not your normal title company. Mm-hmm. I have to say mm-hmm. we have snacks, we have, um, like charging stations. I even saw that we have glasses. So if you can't see, we have readers and (laughs) different prescriptions. Just the details that went into what the culture of proper is, and they just really treat their uh, their employees really well. And so that then extends to the customers. Our customers are what, you know, provides us the business and keeps the lights on, right? And so we provide that customer service because really as a title agency, what you have to understand is we compete. The only way we're able to compete is by our customer service. Mm-hmm. Title insurance is title insurance. Mm-hmm. You get the same price. We're not a filed rate state. So everything is pretty much set by Chicago title, to be honest. Chicago title sets the price and sets the fees and we follow with our rates. And so if you can get the same product and at the same price, then how? what would differentiate us? And it really has to be customer service. And so I think that our customers find um, also in the comfort knowing that when they email me, because they know me and they knew how I worked before, yeah. I think that's helped me continue building that, you know, um, that relationship between the customer and the proper. And then also people on my team, they may not know the customer and I'll say, oh, let me introduce you. So I always do like the int- um, introducing because I can't handle all the all the customers. And so yeah. 
Um, I've also learned to let go of a lot of things. <laughs> That's been hard because I'm, I always call myself type B plus because I don't think I'm type A or an A minus, but I think I'm like a type B plus, meaning certain things bother me. I need control, but I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I'm really happy with the B+. Like, I would hang that on my fridge. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's passing. Yeah, it's passing. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Well, I think that it's just the level of care mm. that uh, proper title extends to their both their employees, but also their clients, the attorneys, and the the assurance that you provide for the people that are purchasing and buying these properties, I think, is really what it, it seems like proper title wants that to come across more than anything else. Yes. Is that's, the level of care. Yeah, that's for sure. And then also uh, I found too, what you just said, it may, reminded me that attorneys really want an answer and many of them are walking and emailing or at a closing, mm-hmm. um, in between, on, on the elevator, there's like literally a minute that they have and they're responding and they want an answer. And so also building the relationships between the attorney and not only myself, but other people in the company so that they can reach out to anyone and they have a contact versus let's say you're newer and you don't really know proper title, then you have no idea who to contact to get an answer. And it will take longer because it will need to go through the channels to get to the correct person versus these attorneys that they're very, they're very quick to get a name not a general email. And so that's what I work with, work, uh, strive to do as well, is to make sure that the attorneys always know who he or she can contact. Because I understand their schedule. And that helps too, because I've been on all sides. I've never represented a lender, but I represent a seller, buyer. Um, I've been an underwriter. And so I I get it in a way where I get the big picture. And not, no one is going to get paid unless it closes. So let's just try to work through it together. And that's yeah. another thing. We're not opposing counsels in the sense that we're in front of a judge or a mediator and we need to like, you know. Work it out. Yeah, work it out. This is just great because it's transactional. Yeah. You're making two peop- two parties happy. Yeah. One is getting rid of property because they want to move on. And then another is either really excited because it's a first purchase or maybe it's a second purchase, a larger home, you know, expanding. So it's just, it should be really happy times. But of course, with any, any industry or whatever you do, there's stresses, yeah. you know, that come with it. Well, and then the stress of buying or selling property mm-hmm. can get high, but you can take some sauce in knowing there are a lot of people, attorneys and underwriters and title companies that are working very hard to make sure that you have the best experience possible. And, and I, it's interesting what you said, you know, everyone in this equation wants it to close and wants it to be a good closing. Right. So that uh, you have a good, good experience. Yes. Yes. It's all about the experience. And, um, yeah, so we just expanded our loop office. It's pretty exciting. Um, construction isn't complete, completed yet, but we expanded so that we can have stations now for attorneys. Um, we understand that many of them, they may not have back-to-back closings. They may have some time in between. Okay. So if you're in the loop and you have like two hours to kill, what are you going to do? You can go to a Starbucks or you can just stay where we are because we have attorneys, we're having attorney stations kind of set up um, where you can, you know, as long as you have a laptop, 
Um, we have Wi-Fi and you can work. And so we really are all about not only uh, the sellers and purchasers or the buyer's experience, but also the attorney experience because we understand that, you know, I remember when I was doing residential closing when it was like five-hour closings, I was hungry all the time because <laughs> we never had time to eat. So I would have like, you know, First American was known for cookies. And so I would love having closings there because I would smell the Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. And I'm like, yep. So for breakfast, I'm going to have oatmeal raisin because it's like <laughs> oatmeal, having oatmeal with little raisins on top. And then for lunch, maybe I'll have their chocolate chip. But if I go bold, maybe they're white chocolate macadamia nut. I, I, I don't know. I'm like, the world is my oyster. I have so many choices <laughs> to make today. That's great. So yeah. we have like food, we have like snacks, you know, and it's not yeah. like bad snacks. Yeah. Like granola bars and things like that so that attorneys can grab it um, and go, you yeah. know, and at least have something. Um, and then when we're really busy, at like end of the month or mid-month, we provide lunch for the attorneys, which is really nice. It's yeah. easy, nothing messy. It's not like we're having like a bowl of spaghetti and we expect <laughs> you to... <laughs> To explain loan docs and, you right. know, eat spaghetti. Well, it's it's great to hear about companies and people that are really um, trying to make the experience better and, and just going to that next level of customer service. Um, so it's great to hear about what you do, Kathy, and thank you for that. If you could close for us with just one thought for people, maybe people who are thinking of purchasing or selling a home property first time and they're they're worried about what the experience is going to be like they're wondering about what to how to prepare for that is there anything that you can leave us with any word of advice that you can give um yes so as a seller i would make sure that you get whatever questions answered from your broker that you're using and um about figures kind of estimates of what it's going to cost for you to sell um, kind of prepare in that way. And then also prepare that, you know, there's always an attorney review period and there's an attorney review period or due diligence, I think, for commercial. Um, there's always that period because it gives the chance, it gives the buyers a chance to really make the final decision, yeah. to make sure this is the property that he, she, it wants. And so as a, from the seller's perspective, just be patient and open and know that, you know, if this is the right buyer, it'll work out, yeah. you know, and I just kind of know that. And then really as a seller, you don't have to be present at the closing. So that's something that's a bonus where you don't have to worry about taking time off of work and whatnot. I encourage sellers to sign power of attorneys um, over to their attorney or let's say um, if you have a partner or a spouse, then what you can do is, you know, give the power of attorney to that other individual um, if you can't attend the closing yourself. But that's something of an added bonus for a seller. For a buyer, I mean, it's exciting. First time buying, it's just, it really is. Just maybe not think that you're going to get the perfect home or unit, apartment. Kind of not think of it that way. Unless it's new construction, then yes, you should have perfection because it's, it's being built. However, if it's a an existing home, then just have an idea when you go in, can you see your life there? Can you see yourself building a life there or a portion of your life, a, cha a chapter of your life at this um, in this place? And if it has potential, because you're not ever going, no one's ever going to get a perfect home, mm -hmm. I think. You can't have everything checked off. And so you need certain lists, like 
you know, do you need a garage space? Are you okay with walking? You know, things like that. And then just know that you really need to make sure that everything is set if you get a loan with your lender, for sure. Because a lot of the delays and hiccups can come from uh, the loan side because okay. uh, you need funding and whatnot. And just know that it's okay. It's all going to work out. You have an attorney that's there. Um, if you close up proper, you know you'll get out there before in less than an hour. And nowadays, I mean, you have to submit everything to your lender pretty much like when you had your last haircut. So really, <laughs> I, it, with all those details, I have a feeling that, you know, we won't be coming across these issues that we used to have like even 10 years ago. So, um, and just be excited that you get to buy a house. That's so exciting. That's what, it's one of the biggest purchases that you'll make. You should be proud. It's a proud moment. Celebrate yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Kathy, I want to thank you for coming on today. It's yes. been really, really enlightening. So I appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening to this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding. 